You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked on ACC. We are back with five episodes a week. You can catch me every single day with my favorite co-host. We've got Kenton Gibbs on Mondays. We have JJ Jackson on Tuesdays. We more importantly have AJ Black on Wednesday. We've got Mr. Tyler Aki on Thursday and Jersey Drake rounding out the crew for Freestyle Friday. Looking forward to having all of my guys back and talking all things ACC. Now, I wanted to remind y'all that the NBA draft Goat Chad Ford, the Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Bill Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch the live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. So I've got my guy Kitten Gibbs here with me today talking about the NBA Finals, and we're going to talk about some early season starts and who has the most pressure, talking going into media day, who's going to have to answer those hot-burning questions. So we'll go over all of that. Kitten Gibbs, how are you? I'm great as always. Uh, not really not really too much going on. It's a rainy day in Raleigh, so, you know, it's uh, – it's your standard day. Everything is everything is everything. I cannot complain. No doubt. Now everything is everything. Certainly was the mentality it seems to be for the Bucks, who had no worries going two and zero into this NBA Finals, but now have certainly bounced back and are one win away from winning their NBA Championship Final against a really good Phoenix Suns team. Yeah, I think both teams are are quality teams. And um, these ACC alums need to uh, step up and show up uh, for the Suns to have a chance. I mean, Chris Paul floundering down the stretch, Cam Johnson going missing for stretches. It's it's not looking very good. It's it, it just isn't. Well, do you think that Cam Johnson, who people have argued should have had more time in the game, should be taking more shots, isn't really in the best rhythm to kind of show and prove during this series? I mean, here's the thing. Cam Johnson has always had one of the best shooting strokes in the game. He is now a a willing and high-effort defender. I don't know why you don't put more 3 and D guys on the court. It, it, in today's NBA, unless you have a superstar-level player or unless you already have all 3 and D guys, you need, you're going to need one more. He definitely brings an energy to me for the Suns, and he has definitely ignited a kind of energy that's necessary in a NBA Finals because we haven't really seen it, right? We, to me, the fact that Crowder is the one guy who is making the most threes of both teams is something I'm still scratching my head about. It makes sense only from the standpoint of uh, if you look at all the team's star players – you look at uh, the Suns, Devin Booker is a mid-range maestro. You look at Chris Paul, same thing, maybe even to a higher extent than Book. 
You look at Giannis. Giannis ain't taking no threes. That ain't that, you know, this ain't that and that ain't this. Drew Holiday is always going to do what is best for his team. If him stretching the floor is what's best, he'll do that. But in the matchup against Chris Paul, in the matchup against Devin Booker, he has the size advantage. So he's going to take him down into the paint. You know, you know as the church folk would say, he's going to take him to the water to be baptized. And that's what he's been doing and successfully so. So, I mean, it's it's not really all that surprising for me only because the stars on both teams are not three point centric guys. Like if we had a, a Steph Curry playing or a Kevin Durant or something like that, then I'd be like, mm, yeah, that, that does, that doesn't exactly make sense. But with, with the way that things are, Jay Crowder shooting well is a surprise a little bit because I don't think that anybody saw him shooting this well, but he struggled coming into this series and the law of averages is the is called the law of averages for a reason. It always balances out. If you got a 40, 35% three-point shooter and they shoot 15% for like five, six, seven games in a row, those next five, six, seven are going to bring it back up. Right. And so I also want to have a conversation about Chris Paul and his legacy. A lot of people talking about this Wake Forest alum who clearly has not won his hit in 16 years of play in the NBA. He has not yet won a championship. And I kind of want to liken it to Wake Forest and how they're the outsider in terms of the ACC or specifically the North Carolina team bubble. Right. Wake Forest has had moments and flashes of being you know, dominant players. Right. But you have had haven't had the Carolina success, haven't had the Duke success. And for a little bit there had NC State success. And so do you see when you look at Chris Paul and his besties, Dwayne Wade, the LeBron James of the world, is it kind of like the outsider still looking in and trying to find his way and building his legacy? Or is it solidified either way? He doesn't need a championship to be that great. No, Chris Paul is in the spot where if he won this championship, it would be immensely valuable for him and to him. If we're looking at what is happening in these finals, it is okay to, to me, I'm not a guy that's like the win and the loss is everything. And if you, if you put up 40 points and 15 assists in a loss, then that loss is still on you. It doesn't matter if you shot 80% from the field and had one turnover to your 15 assists, the loss on you. I'm not one of those guys. I understand that team sports mean you can be one of the best to ever do it and never get a ring, a la Dan Marino, a la Charles Barkley. I get that. But the fact of the matter is, when I'm looking at this series in particular, Chris Paul hasn't shown up. Mm. He has not shown up. He has not done what he has needed to do in order to put his team in a position to win. And I'm not just talking about offensively, defensively. Drew Holiday is not supposed to be embarrassing you defensively. That's not supposed to happen. And then you're looking at a situation where offensively he goes cold for entire stretches and then has one good quarter or two in the game. And it's like, what is this? I think it's really unique how people, some people in triangle are like definitively can't stand Chris Paul. Don't want to ever want to see him win, but there are people who like homegrown from Winston-Salem who are like, I just want to see the guy get one off. And so it's, it's very mixed in this area. I'm going to tell you, I guess I'm one of the few rare people who I don't feel one way or the other about Chris Paul. Like mm-hmm. if he gets one cool, if he doesn't, he'll live. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars. He'll be all right. As an NC State guy, how can you not be anti-Chris Paul given the Julius Hodge in, in situation? I'm sure there's probably more that we just can't pinpoint, right? Chris Paul is a dirty player. 
There's no if, ands, or buts about that. Chris Paul is a guy that I am I'm looking at and I'm saying to myself, I understand that he was undersized, not the most athletic guy in the world. So he he does what he has to do to get by. It's not always legal. It's definitely not always right. Sure. But all in all, it's like, eh, eh. Like, stop trying to hurt people, maybe. But other than that, eh. Actually, that's not a maybe. Definitely stop trying to hurt people. But other than that, I really don't, like, hmm, more power to you, bro. But he, like I said, he has not shown up for these finals in a meaningful way. And to me, this needs to stop any conversation about him being better than some of the all-time greats at the point guard position because it is not only about being good over a long period of time. What did you do when it mattered the most? That is something that weighs heavily with me. And what is he doing when it matters the most? It goes back to a pattern of him being injured or not showing up in the playoffs. No doubt. Well, they'll certainly need all their strength, Cam Johnson and company, to beat these Bucks at home at Milwaukee. It's going to be a game. We all have that energy of Bucks in six, but you never know. It could go to Suns in seven. So we'll just keep our eyes peeled for that and all the strength that they might find. They could use it in Bill Bar. Listen, did you know that Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bill Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bill Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Know what flavor is my favorite? <laughs> In fact, it is mint brownie double chocolate and even sometimes cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like in all of the delicious variety of flavors. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Shout out to those guys doing the big things in Tokyo. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. We're talking to Kenton Gibbs today about the NBA finals shifting gears here because we all know ACC Media Day is right on the helm. We are super excited. The countdown is on 45 days until ACC football begins. And they're starting out with your favorite. NC State will play USF in what should be a very exciting, good warm-up game for the Wolfpack. And we're going to go over a couple of the, of the opening games and talk through who has the most pressure? What kind of questions are we we should be asking going into media day and all of that good stuff? So I'll start with you, Ken, obviously with the Wolfpack. You know, USF is not a sleeper team, right? But certainly a good get our feet wet, see benchmark of seeing where we are as a program. You know, USF is one of those teams that they have those one shining moment years every couple of years. And I don't think this will be one of them. Uh, NC State should roll easily. And if they don't, there will be a lot of questions and concerns coming out of it. So if NC State loses this game, there's questions already about their season. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. You Again, this is not a USF team that's like slated to be one of the best in the country, that's slated to be the, uh, the as, as they used to say before the college football playoff game, the BCS buster. This is not that team. So, I mean, if this NC State team hopes to be nearly as good as people are saying they are, with most people picking them to finish second in the Atlantic, you have to uh, dominate in a game like this. I feel like Coach Dorn is always that type of coach where depending on how you start out or even a mid-season check is always on the chopping block. For whatever reason, if it's because you didn't beat a team by 35 or because you had a tight game and lost to a Old Dominion or something like that, it's like, oh, we're going for his head. Why do you feel like Dorn is always so on the fence with his job? I mean, I, I think that he has a lot more job security than most people on the outside think. He's the second longest tenured coach in NC State history for a reason. Let's just be honest about the situation here. He has been better against the spread than almost any NC State coach in our history. He wins the games that he's supposed to win. And guess what this game against USF is? A game he's supposed to win. So, I mean, if if – like I've said about the law of averages, all, almost all of life can be explained through numbers and patterns. The law of averages and the pattern for Coach Doran is he wins games he's supposed to win. He should win this one. I'm cheers to hoping that Doran is in a good mood. Maybe he'll give good energy to the media this season he, when we go to kickoff. Like Normally, he's not the guy that's too chirpy to talk to us. You know, Coach Doran isn't the guy with a, a huge uh, outgoing personality. That's just That's just not who he is for the most part, especially in comparison with some of the other uh, folks in the ACC. But honestly, when you look at some of the personalities out of these coaches in the ACC, that might be a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes just staying quiet is, you know, they. there's an old saying, um, everybody looks smart until you open your mouth. So that's actually I, I think that he does a good job of appearing smart in front of folks because he just doesn't put his foot in. There we go. And then one of the big games that I think to start this season that a lot of people are talking about circling on their calendar, you've got Carolina opening up at Virginia Tech on Friday, September 3rd. The Hokies are looking to redeem their season. They want to get back to who they used to be in this conference, being the dominant figurehead. Coach Fuente, of course, has a lot of pressure going into it. Matt Brown has been telling everybody or, you know, who will listen that Carolina is back better than ever. He kind of gives more of a humble vibe than I feel like a lot of people give. Carolina they've been hyping them up and I think that Mac Brown kind of gives that level head we're not where we're supposed to be so anytime I've listened to a press conference with Mac I've kind of heard that energy from him like the show we need to be more show and prove we have not yet done what people are saying we can do but I think this is a good starting opening game honestly I don't I don't know who's saying this is a big game but, but no? they need to be slap silly Braxton Burmeister cannot hit the side of my apartment building from the parking lot that man can't throw the ball. Khalil Herbert ain't walking through that door, nor is Mike Vick. Trey Turner is an amazing receiver, but you need somebody to get your amazing receiver the ball. So Virginia Tech is in trouble. Alexa, play dead. Sam Hile is going to run it up on these young men. It's going to be the opening of what um, what many Carolina fans are hoping is a Heisman campaign for them. And this is going to be a, a, a pretty easy one. I don't think that this Virginia Tech team presents any problems. And if they do, that is a situation where you start asking questions about, wait, what's, what's going on here? Because this Virginia Tech team is not on paper. They're not very good. 
outside of the, them getting back a top corner in Waller, they're not really nah, not much there. And that's a scary part for Carolina because those are the teams that Carolina is known for dropping, right? You got the Virginia game from last season. You have Florida State who couldn't win two games. Those are the games that Carolina seems to slip and fall because I don't know. Do they have this confidence feeling like they should beat them? Or are they overconfident? And I I'm hoping that they are on a mission. They have tunnel vision throughout the season, but there are going to be games where you head scratch and question because they drop it. And I just hope this opening one isn't that. And then you have to just play, prove it for the rest of the season. I mean, I, I guess, but I, I get it. It's a conference game and every conference game is supposed to be tough, but supposed to be and is are two different things. Many things in this world that are supposed to be one way or the other are not really that way. This game North Carolina should roll big. We also have a Wake Forest playing Old Dominion that Friday and Duke playing Charlotte. But then you get to Saturday where you have some big games to mention. We obviously have Miami playing Alabama. Miami, certainly, you put that game up there and any other time besides 2021, and you're like, okay, this might be a big-time number. But Miami's definitely going to have to step up. A lot of pressure for Yair King, who's coming off injury, trying to play the best team in the country out the gate. Imagine you get told, hey, um, I know you're coming off an ACL and all, but we got to play against four first-rounders tomorrow. Great. I hope you're having a really good time. Um, this is That's the situation that De'Aaron King is being thrown into. And while I do think that De'Aaron King is one of those players that he'll work magic, I don't think that he has enough weapons-wise. I, I just don't. Even if you look at – when you go back to teams that beat – Alabama, it's never just one player. Even when people talked about Johnny Manziel beating them way, way back when he was in college, Mike Evans made some catches that game that showed you there's something special in him. If Miami does not have another player offensively that steps up and shows something special there, this one can get ugly early. Now, the good news for Miami and Miami fans alike is Manny Diaz and that defense are always going to be rolling. They're always going to be good. They're always going to have the ability to make something shake. The question is, can Miami stop them from scoring a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown? And can they sustain drives long enough to where their defense isn't asked to, all right, you just got to stop, good, go get another one. Oh, you just got to stop, good, go get another one. I know that Alabama's lost a ton to the NFL, but it's Alabama. They don't rebuild, they reload. So the first question we got to ask Miami at ACC Media Day is how is the O-line doing? Are they going to be able to protect those Crimson Tide defenders? If not, it's going to be a long day for Derek. And I, again, I'm worried for the man's safety at this point. Like, forget everything else. I just want him to get through the game healthy so hopefully we can keep rolling into the next game of the season. I'll tell you this. Alabama is notorious for um, against really good teams. They either start hot or it's going to be close all the way through. I have not seen Alabama – against bad teams, sometimes they have slow starts. But against good teams, they either come out the gates ready and rolling or it's going to be close all the way through. So after the first quarter, we're either going to be getting our popcorn ready to see an amazing De'Aaron King show or we're going to be calling the authorities saying that this is abuse. This needs to be stopped. This is muggy. So we also will have UMass playing Pitt 
Syracuse will go down to Ohio or up to rather across the way. You know, one of those things. William and Mary will play Virginia. Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois will play Georgia Tech. And then we've got a big one, Clemson playing Georgia. And we all know Georgia has their moments, their flashes of being a top contender and Clemson trying to find their way. This will be, I think this will be one of the better matchups you see on Saturday at 7.30. In Charlotte on ABC, you'll see whether or not the Tigers are just like old. They're kind of like that Alabama energy. Can they reload and keep it pushing? First thing first, technically you were correct. Syracuse is above Ohio. So, yes, go to, they were going down to play them. Second of all, Clemson and Georgia will be a great barometer for the ACC as a whole. Why do I say that? Clemson is the cream of the crop. They're the class of the conference. Georgia is not that for the SEC. They're one of the better teams. Let's make no bones about it. Not saying that Georgia is the middle of a row team in the SEC at all. However, if our conference is to be taken seriously, our definitive best team has to win a game against a team that is just one of the better ones out of uh, another conference. And Georgia is bringing back a lot of good talent there, but they're also losing guys in that defensive backfield. I mean, almost everybody from last year got drafted. So Georgia is another one of those teams that they sort of rebuild, but it's not to the same level of an Alabama or as of a Clemson. So Clemson, DJ Ugalele should be able to do the job. However, this Clemson team has lost a lot. They lost so much. And I mean, it's that to me is the most head scratching game that if somebody told me, Kenton, the aliens have the death beam on earth. Who do you want? I want Eagle Dollar. No, I'm just joking. Um, I don't know who, what team, I would want to go with there, but that that's looking to be a very good matchup. We'll talk about the Sunday and Monday games here in a second, but I want to remind you guys, if you are looking to bet in on college football this fall, please get betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. Baseball is in full swing. NBA is right there, almost done, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, before the next bucket, head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their run into the playoffs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Please use promo code Locked On. So we're wrapping up today's show here, talking about the start to the season for a lot of these teams looking to have big breakout games. And we were mentioning Labor Day weekend, which will also have Notre Dame playing Florida State at 730 on ABC that Sunday. Another big game, another convincing argument for where is Notre Dame at? Where do we find them in the conversation? You know, they've obviously graduated some key players and they want to be halfway in, halfway out, dipping their toe in the ACC. I think Florida State can do a put up or shut up kind of energy when it comes to this conference. Notre Dame is known for having big, nasty offensive lines. Florida State is no longer the powerhouse that they once were. And losing a Marvin Wilson is going to be a tough time dealing with Notre Dame's offensive line, dealing with Kyron Williams, dealing with all of the backs that they're going to bring in, whoever they're going to have at quarterback, who probably is going to have a little bit of ability to run the ball. So with that being said, don't expect this game to be close or enjoyable. If it is, more so Notre more. Dame is going to dominate Florida State. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is simple. 
he who wins the trenches is is often going to win the game. Notre Dame has such a decided advantage in the trenches. It should not be close. Nice. And then we'll end Monday with Louisville going to Atlanta to play Ole Miss on ESPN at 8 p.m. It should be another exciting game because I think these are both middle-of-the-road teams in their respective conferences. So it could be a nice, all right, the ACC clearly is trying to be better than your middle of the pack, or Ole Miss can say that on the opposite. Malik Cunningham is going to put on a show in this game. Okay. Ole Miss is going to put on a show in this game. Lane Kiffin is always – if Lane Kiffin can't do nothing else, he's going to coach us some offense. He's going to put some points on that board. He's going to make a fun, enjoyable game. This game may be the highest scoring mm. that we see um, of week one. I think that these are two teams. Louisville, defensively, they're up and down, kind of all over the place. Ole Miss, for the most part, couldn't stop a runny nose with wet tissue, Robitussin, and all, all of the company's COVID shots combined in one. So um, uh, this is going to be an exciting game. If you like offense ball, if you like that up-tempo, fast-paced, score, 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 go, go, go type of thing, even though Louisville isn't super up-tempo, they still have weapons offensively. And Malik Cunningham coming back with another year of experience should be a great game. And we did talk about how Coach Satterfield is on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. And we feel as if he has to have a better season, be more, even if he finished in the middle of the Atlantic, that might secure his job more so than anything else. But if he falls bottom of the pack, I think it's when you start asking the hard questions. Oh, there, there's not going to be any hard questions. The, the question that will be asked is, do you want all of your things packed up in <laughs> a, a, a move it cube or a U-Haul? The, the, which one would you prefer, Mr. Satterfield? Yikes, yikes, yikes. Well, love, it's lovely to talk about and get excited for this opportunity to see some guys get back on the field in a more normal environment, right? All fans will be invited back to all the stadiums, so we should be locked and loaded and ready to go, all bearing you know any craziness. And I'm I'm excited for that, at least for the, for the kids' sake, for the students' sake, for the athletes' sake, them being able to kind of enjoy college as it should be. So we've got all of those locked and loaded, and we will talk more media day throughout the week. We will be live in Charlotte. So we will give you some recap scoops, some info, some good uh, feedback, some conversations with all of our coaches, you know, talking through their pressers, asking some of your favorite athletes questions. So be sure to hit us up at locked on ACC, send any questions that you want answered. We'll be sure to get those asked during the whole week. We should have some good stuff. The coastal will start on Wednesday. The Atlantic will start on Thursday. So we'll have all of those good things rolling and we'll get to talk to commissioner Jim Phillips. A lot of people want to know how he feels about being the new leader of what should be one of the most important seasons we've had yet. So we'll have all of that answered for you. Kenny Gibbs, can you remind folks of where they find you and follow your work? At LO underscore Wolfpack uh, is where you can find me. And uh, we'll we'll be going back to five days a week as well. So come on out. We, we're going to have some good stuff for you covering uh, these ACC media days. I've got, uh, I've got some good folks who are going to be on the scene out there. So definitely come on back. Keep coming to Locked on ACC, and then we'll keep getting it done for y'all. And also, you can listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey app. I had a good feature talking about Trey Murphy from Virginia, about his chances in the draft. You got analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonoghue. 
Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. For Candace Cooper and Kenny Giz, we hope you have a great rest of your day. And until next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.